Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Molo Sambonani, hello, how's it? Welcome to the IRR show every Tuesday. Only on Chai FM. Uh, it's going to be a lit show, as the young ones say. Hey, welcome to it. I hope you guys have had a fantastic, fantastic week. I am, of course, not alone. I'm with the other fantastic half of the show, Miss Sarah Gon. Sarah, hello, hello. Hello, hello, Sifle. Um, yeah, it's been nothing if not stimulating, um, but whether it's been a positive form of stimulation or negative form of stimulation, we're yet to see. In, indeed, I, I know it's been <laughs> ever increasingly much colder, um, and yeah, it, it, as they said in that um, in that series, I forget its name right now. Um, winter Throw is coming, definitely. Yes. Game of Thrones, <laughs> um, and that's what it's been in government—a Game of Thrones, has it not been? So we're gonna pick this up after the break. We do usually take our first break um, at the at ten minutes past. Uh, nine. But after the break, we do what we always do on the IRR show, which is to look at the news headlines and the week that was. You know, what got you talking? What was interesting? And, um, yeah, you know, what, what made the news headlines, essentially? Um, and our main guest on this week's show is a very interesting voice, one which has been at the forefront of uh, the business community in South Africa. Um, Mr. Pete Leroux from Sarkeliecha. So we're going to have a conversation with him for our main interview today. So, guys, quick uh, ad break, and we'll see you after these short messages. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Just look at the week mm. that was. Um, what got people chatting? What's been going on? What's, uh, what's on the road? <laughs> you know, I've almost forgotten what came before uh, the move from level four to level three. On the uh, uh, on the lockdown, and I suppose the the key things that are positive about the movement is generally business can resume again, except for some specific sectors. The the um, uh, lock, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm confused. The at night the, the whole lockdown is is, is gone, so there, there are no limits on where you can be at night. The curfew, sorry, curfew, um, and it seems that you can now exercise when you want and and where you want. The problem is that some of the very very um, the, the 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 industry hardest hit are service industries because they cannot go mm. back tourism, hairdressers, salons, those sorts of things, and I think it's almost like there's been accepted at this point it really they really have to trust us to do what is necessary um, and they're still trying to hang on in that regard but probably the weirdest of them all is the sort of circumscribed sale of alcohol but the complete continued ban of um of cigarettes mm. so and i know that you've answered <laughs> significantly on, on, on your shows on these no, absolutely. I, and I, I think um, the major takeaway, and I did bring this up on the Big Daddy Liberty Show, and I said, look, the South Africans have a partial victory here. I think it, 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 the, the genesis of it is and was the growing number of people I've had on my show, for example, just as an example, um, the growing number of, of um, 
civil society organizations that had just said, that's it, enough is enough. Um, and we need to start seeing a serious, concerted and uh, unified drive, if you will, to push back against uh, not the not the response COVID. Uh, one has to separate issues. You know, people are in broad agreement with the state around the need to tackle COVID. The issue becomes... Um, do I sacrifice? Do I sacrifice my rights as a citizen in order to do this, with the risk of those freedoms and those rights not coming back? Given the nature of politicians, not just in South Africa but worldwide, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was a real conversation, and I think a very necessary one philosophically that South Africans had uh, with the state, um, and I think it's still going to be resolved. In fact, our guest today. Um, you know, uh, people are from mm-hmm. is one of those pressure groupings, if you will, uh, that had indicated that they're going to go uh, take the state on, sorry, and actually still are, as far as I'm but we'll, we'll let yeah. them get into that. But yeah. one thing I want to put to you, sorry, just to see what your thoughts were, mm-hmm. um, it, it did seem as though uh, that under, you know, the, 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 the and, and this is me just sort of, um, I don't want to use the word conspiracy, but it's really yeah. Um it would seem, given that there was a, a leak from within mm. the state of the draft uh mm. three regulations, that you might actually find that there are people within that administration who are just simply unhappy with mm. the course that their politicians are taking. Well, you, you can that's usually a very good sign that there's there's dissatisfaction because as as I recall there were no leaks in the sort of first three four or five weeks, and this time we all had it, um, and uh, it, it, just, just while I think of it, it raises a particular concern, and it raises a concern every single time. They announced this change to level four eight day, to take place eight days after they announced it. Now, what if they're ready to announce, what on earth would those eight days, difference would those eight days make? What, what, what um, pressure would it put on the government to allow people to do their thing wisely. And I read a figure this morning that says that this week alone on level four could show if one person. So, I mean, that, it, yeah. No, sorry, as I said, I mean, that's a scary prospect. And I think I want to, I want to circle back to a point you made. And I think it's going to be, it's going to play out a bit more in, 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 in the media states. Um, um, you know, woeful as media have been sometimes in, in terms of bringing these stories out. You know, the services industry in this country is, given, especially given the, the collapse of manufacturing and the industry, has been an absolute godsend to those who are at the lower echelons of our society, aren't maybe as skilled mm. um, uh, professionally as, as, as other people may be. You know, the, the, the lady who, who does your nails, you know, the beauty mm. who does your nails, mm. Um, the, you know, I can go down the line of these mm. various jobs that you and I take for granted mm. for those individuals are an absolute, absolute, absolute godsend insofar as them giving people income and from that income helping them build savings and from those savings being able to buy better options and improve the quality of life. It's those people who are interested in earning an income. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that the irony is that it's, it's a, it, the services industry in general, it has the one great benefit that it offers potential employment to a large number of people who are skilled <coughs> and can be skilled. And then the, the actual um, work opportunities upskill them. And it was going to be the growth industry. That is what we were going to grow, given the fact that we pretty much destroyed mining, we're destroying manufacturing, etc. And... Um, 
you know, it, I mean, one understands the, the health aspect, but again, it's weighing up the, the, the sort of longer, larger term destruction of livelihoods and life possibly with this, with disease, which you know, all, all indications are that terrible as it is, we are unlikely to get even the hands on it. And I know that may sound a bit harsh, but it, it's a weighing up thing and, and it's, it's such a, more so in this country than, 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 Euro, than European first world. Uh, absolutely. And I think we'll pick that conversation up. Um, I mean, before we go to this break, sorry, let's, let's look at the gender gray side. We have um, a bit of a clown world situation at the moment. Yeah. Uh, do you want to quickly lay it out for us? Okay, basically Professor Glenda Gray is the um, president of the Medical Research Council. She's an epidemiologist that's, that's, she's extremely well known and well National Command Council for not paying attention to the advice that they were giving, essentially saying you can no longer, the curve, there's no medical reason for the lockdown. Whatever it is, it, it's passed. Uh, but she was quite blunt about it, which for people like you and me is a, is, is a sort of a pleasant difference. And then the Minister of Health uh, wrote a long saga taking her to task on it, which was his right. But then it got it got ridiculous. The Acting Director General of Health, uh, Anban Pillay, then, um, then said, you, you complained to the Medical Research Council about her um, and said that she, they, he recommends that they investigate it. And I thought, first of all, that was a bloody cheek on every level. Um, but worse than that, if it could possibly get worse, because it's an independent body, it's not it's not beholden to the ministry. The the board of the Medical Research Council issued a grovelling apology to the minister, saying they would investigate, and none of the staff could now speak in public. Now, it's what I call um, it, it, it's that tendency by government to limit free speech when they can, enabled by the guys down the line, and, and it's. It's it's so it's it, it's so obvious and nasty. Um, it doesn't bode well, and I'm very glad to see large numbers of academics coming out on her behalf. Absolutely, I must take an ad break. I must take an ad break. I will see and soon uh, we'll see you after the short break with our guest Peter Roo from Sarkelecha. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. All right, welcome back to the IRR show. I, my name is Big Danny Liberty, and of course, I'm with the ever wonderful, the ever radiant Sarah Gunn. And um, as mentioned before the break, we have our guest with us in studio. Oh, lol, sorry. We have our guest with us uh, on the show, Pete Leroux from Sarkelieche. He's the CEO of Sarkelieche, the business uh, rights organization. Pete, let me say a good and extend a warm welcome to you on this uh, wonderful Tuesday morning. Good morning, Sejla. Excellent, brother. Very good to have you on the show. I mean, just before the break, um, you know, as we always do on the show, we, we, we look at the, um, you know, we look at the, the, the news that was, the news that made, you know, the headlines. And of course, Pete, um, the lockdown still dominates, you know, uh, people's minds, or, yeah, because it just dominates people's lives. Um and more importantly, it's this move down to, to level three. Can you just quickly talk to us about your first impressions of level three and your initial reaction to it? Uh, well, of course, there's a sense of relief that at least some of the regulations are lifted. 
But that sense of relief, uh, I think, should only be something that you uh, and that I certainly experienced in a passing way. Because what we have is still an arbitrary, uh, in my view, unlawful and um, uh, um, irrational system with bans on tobacco and various other measures that treat adults like children. Uh, we still have the, most of the country under house arrest. Uh, in fact, everybody, and you may only leave it under specific circumstances. And uh, so uh, overall, I think level three simply um, doesn't make sense to us. And it makes all the more uh, not sense because we don't um, have the models that should tell us what it is supposed to cure, the, the, the lockdown regulations. And just this another week of delay, of course, shaves off probably at least another percentage point of GDP um, from going from level four to level three. So overall, Sichle, uh, there's an initial sense of relief, and then uh, I experience, and my colleagues certainly, a firm sense of resolve to get uh, this whole lockdown thing behind us because uh, it's uh, it's whatever purpose it should have served uh, has now been has now been served. Um, Pete, sorry, um, I want just in light of what you said. I get the impression that the lockdown and the extent to which it's being reduced to different levels has becoming less and less of a medically driven issue. And it was it was meant to be only a medically driven issue at the start. What's your sense of that? Certainly. I, I look, um, uh, there's very little uh, medical uh, medical sense being made here, yeah? and we see this in the public uh, disc, uh, discourse and mm. discontent among uh, senior advisors to government on, on, on medicine. So uh, there's this uh, habit at the moment that people say, well, uh, 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 at least initially it was uh, government saying, well, uh, medically it's required of us to do this. But it was never explained why exactly the steps taken were medically required. And so uh, I think uh, it's an appeal to authority um, that, uh, that doesn't, uh, it's unjustified. And I think also, um, Sarah, you asked uh, uh, about the, um, the, um, the medical uh, situation. There was a second point, but uh, mm. let me just sum it up to say that um, I think that what we're seeing now is uh, regulations for the sake of regulations. Mm-hmm. And we're also seeing ministers like Ibrahim Patel and others saying, almost uh, implying that it will be chaos if things uh, go back to normal. And we have to phase things in because what if queues happen before shops? That's mm. what the market is for. They treat queues, they handle queues all the time. So, And they'll be much better at handling queues than government regulations. So there's complete nonsense in the sense that it will be chaos if we lift regulations. It can be lifted and there will be complete and very quick harmony. Uh, can I ask you quickly, Pete, um, just very briefly, uh, what, what is Sarkalicha, what it, what it does, and, and the court action that you are taking today, I think, in fact, 10 o'clock this morning? Yes, uh, we're on the roll in the Pretoria High Court, where we'll be taking government to court uh, for against the uh, business licensing regime. So uh, you may remember, Sarah, and your listeners, and I know the IRR was, uh, and your colleagues, John Ken Berman and Anthea, were vocal on this, I think, about in 2013 or so. Uh, when um, that was back then, Minister Rob Davies tried mm. to uh, get the Businesses Act uh, off the books and replace it with a business licensing regime uh, and an act that made it uh, compulsory for you to have a license before you can conduct business. So they wanted literally everybody in the country, before you can do business, to have permission from the government. 
Uh, that that was um, we, we got. I mean, your colleagues and I was involved in that from uh, Solidarity back then, and others. We managed to to stop that. But uh, now we saw that under this uh, in this emergency situation, you know, Leviathan grows, and mm. uh, Mr. Patel and his colleagues seized on the opportunity to in, institute a business licensing regime. So we're in court asking uh, the court to uphold the Businesses Act uh, to uh, rule that it is unlawful for national government to uh, institute a business licensing program uh, uh, in general and also specifically to instruct provincial and local government to uh, institute business licensing. And so we're also making a a case for the separation of powers. So Mm. that's And then finally we're asking the the court to interdict the police from interfering with businesses because they don't have a CIPC certificate or something of the sort. Mm. That's more or less the court case. What Sakhalicha is, is we're a business group. We have about 12,000 monthly contributing members and then another 6,000 or so users on our platforms where people can engage and do business. And then we have another 40,000 or so subscribers of to our information and support services. And these, um, so it's, it makes us one of the largest business organizations in the country, mm. although uh, we, we're not aligned so much with uh, the Business for South Africa grouping or the, the, the big business groups, because mm. uh, we tend to be more skeptical, I think, of, um, of government's ability to intervene in the market. And as such, we're very strong, strong free market positions. We're certainly in support of a constitutional order and property rights and all that sort of thing. And so we're uh, at the same time uh, a public benefit organization. Uh, we, we stand for um, for uh, you know the the, the mm-hmm. role that the free market and business can play in the promotion of the common good. Can I just ask quickly before I uh, turn back to to Sifle, um, the idea? I mean, it's, you, it's the suggestion from what you're saying is that the, the lockdown was used to enact these provisions which have nothing to do with lockdown, nothing to do with the medical requirements, and essentially an opportunity to embed something that can carry on afterwards without too many people noticing. Yes, I, and to, to some extent government uh, in, in the late, uh, lately, their late uh, uh, filed uh, affidavits yesterday actually admits the, the Minister of Trade and Industry that this whole CIPC charade was a data gathering exercise. Um, and uh, so um, they, of course, have to concede our point that it is illegitimate and unlawful to require that, and they uh, they concede that point. But then they go ahead and say, well, it's just for data uh, data gathering purposes. But, but the point is actually that it's uh, the the creation of a new uh, structure for business Regime. run by government. Well, um, uh, Mr. Patel, uh, I think we can now buy. Um, Slip stops at least, um, but he <laughs> really seems to be getting into it. Um, Sikla, uh, I don't know. Uh, Pete, 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 I want to actually circle back to an issue because I think there's a very important philosophical issue here, and I, I raised it before the break, uh, before we had you on, which I think South Africans are now uh, seeing and are, are getting involved in the debate. It's the idea, Pete. Um, of, of who governs the economy, if, if I can even use that expression of governs, but who's, um, what's more beneficial rather in the, 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 in the, in the, uh, the economy slash the market? Is it the control of politicians and a small elite, if you will, of politicians, uh, who think they can control every single transaction and make decisions on behalf of the millions of people who transact on a day-to-day basis? Or really, is it 
us, the, the citizens, the individuals, uh, those who are in businesses, those who trade, who understand our trade, um, who, who, who's winning this debate at the moment, in, in your view, especially as you guys go to court? Uh, the, well, uh, the debate, of course, um, can be won by, by uh, on the merits of it, or the debate can be won by one party silencing the other. And the uh, state's approach to this is certainly the one of uh, silencing and the one of, of, of power instead of uh, persuasion. Uh, what we're seeing in South Africa is a continued uh, move toward the political allocation of capital instead of the market-led or consumer-led allocation of capital by entrepreneurs. And so when you have this distinction and this preference for politicians allocating capital, uh, then you have all sorts of uh, 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 non-welfare-related, non-consumer-related conditions playing a role. And so when you go to the shop uh, every day, when people go to the shop and they buy a mealy meal or they buy bread or they buy a jersey or a jacket or, or in whatever way they use their money, they send the signals um, to uh, and put some people out of business. And remember, businesses don't have a right to exist, and they have to serve consumers, and they have to solve people's problems, otherwise they go out of business. But um, then on the other hand, you have uh, people like Minister Patel um, going and creating sugar master plans, which was announced last week in a portfolio committee. And according to the sugar master plan, um, governments uh, basically creating a cartel, making sure that the existing role players in the sugar industry can, can um, stay in business and uh, won't see a decrease in their uh, prices. Um, and um, they're also um, so basically subsidizing them. Now, of course, I understand that businesses can try and stay in business. The problem here is that we have politicians um, involuntarily reallocating capital and handing out special favors and making uh, 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 unequally distributed or even equally distributed obstacles into the path of business. And um, I certainly don't have any trust in Minister Patel or politicians to provide, um, you know, a mealy meal on a shop, uh, on a, to mealy meal or bread or any product uh, on a shop shelf. I, but I do have that um, faith in, in the market. And when I mean the market, it's not this abstraction. I have that faith in common people uh, trying to add value to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, you raise an important issue. Sorry, I'll, 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 get, I'll give you a chance just now, but there's one thing I wanted to sort of um, pick Pete's brain on because I think there's a broader conversation here, which I think Reiki Sarkilecha is is taking one ambit of it uh, to the courts, which is, you know, who, who, uh, where, where should the control lie? Um, should it lie in the hands of politicians who, you know, uh, dish out a, 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 a litany of regulations and laws, often at the expense of those who actually trade in the industry, which is the irony. Uh, Pete, one more question on, on this one um, before we take a break in about uh, four or five minutes or so, um, or in three minutes, sorry. Um, you made mention in a, in a previous uh, statement that you guys put out that um, there is growing scientific and public consensus that the, a, lock, a lockdown as a tool um, is actually just ineffective. And that we're actually beginning to see the state's um, not double down per se on, on a hard lockdown, but double down on the idea that they will now use the lockdown as a means to institute all these weird and arbitrary regulations. Uh, they've almost sort of retreated into lagers, um, as opposed to trying to defend a, a lockdown as, a, as a, a, a holistic tool. Um, the fight you guys have today, especially against the permit regime, 
Um, please re- revisit for me, because someone might be thinking, oh, but of course you need the government to, to issue our permits, otherwise there'll be total chaos, and there mm-hmm. will just be you know, anarchy. Um, can you respond to that, uh, criticism like that? Well, let me respond uh, in two ways. The first is to say that um, we don't think it natural for people to need permission before they consume. Um, right? We would say, uh, who would government be to uh, stand in the way of a person to buy something, to consume something? And we, of course, make some exceptions for that when it relates to the common good and the harm of a person and so on. And some, in some exceptions, uh, it's widely accepted for government to interfere. But in general, certainly in, in the vast majority of uh, cases, we say that it would be illegitimate for government to require a person to obtain permission from it before uh, it, that person consumes. Now, uh, the, the, it's just the same side of the, or the other side of that same coin uh, to, to say that it's illegitimate for government to, in general, require businesses uh, and anybody to produce something to consume. Um, so, mm-hmm. it, uh, while, even though we've come into the habit of accepting government regulations uh, on businesses uh, because businesses are so-called so evil and uh, so exploitative and so mm-hmm. on, um, it's, it doesn't make, uh, uh, I think it is morally as unacceptable to require someone to have a license before that person produces as it is to have, uh, require someone to have a license before he consumes. Uh, that, that's a, the, the one point. The other point to make is that um, I think we should have a general healthy um, disrespect sometimes for, for government or any organization that purports to be sovereign um, and to purports to be able to um, uh, hand out dictates or, 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 or in a judged way sort of determine what everybody else should do. Um, it is a very modern phenomenon to have this uh, sovereign states that, uh, that um, uh, have the final say over millions of square kilometers of country um, uh, and of land uh, where everybody should uh, follow that uh, legislature uh, or, or kings uh, the dictates. It's a phenomenon of the last few hundred years, um, but I think that we, we should in general be skeptical of the claims by entities to be sovereign in this sense that no one else um, can uh, can question their right when they think it is right um, to, uh, to, to micromanage uh, uh, something like consumption and production with which they should have nothing to do. It's not their proper sphere of influence. Absolutely. Pete, we're going to take a very short ad break and then we'll come back and just conclude our conversation with you. I'm in conversation with Mr. Pete Leroux, the CEO of Sarkilier. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. All right. Welcome back to the IRR show as we uh, are in conversation with the CEO of Sarkilier, Pete Leroux. Uh, Pete, I know you're going to have to dash into court soon, so we're going to keep it short, sort of the last five minutes or so uh, with you. Um, Pete, you know, I think you said on a wonderful case before the break around the importance of, of settling the debate to a large extent. Albeit this, this court case won't, won't <laughs> do that in its entirety, I'm beginning to push back. Um, you know, on this show, I talk a lot about us being in the battle of ideas um, as a society, and the various ideas compete um, as a means to sway society one way or the other, either towards liberty or away, towards the state. Um, and I think today's court case is instructive in that regard. Um, maybe as a final question from me, I, I wanted to talk to me about the idea that, that comes out of this, and I think where Sarkilecha is not only going to take the battle, um, on the issue of permits and, 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 um, 
uh, or yeah, actually that that, that that a permanent regime, but where where Sakilecha would want to see um, society go in terms of uh, the relationship between the state and business and the state and markets. Well, I think uh, particularly with regard to the court case, we certainly would like the state to completely stay out of business licensing. It has no business to do it, and uh, I think that would uh, make for a, a much better. Uh, a much better society. So with regard to the court case, uh, no business licensing, no interference by police because of uh, permits and um, also the separation of powers between province, national and provincial, uh, province, provincial, national and local government. Um, the, we, we, we do this case, uh, you know, of course, within the framework of the South African Constitution. But I think if you look at constitutionalism in general, um, that is the illusion that uh, there is within a society uh, balances of powers um, and uh, different centers of power, a distributed uh, power system within society. And uh, in our court case certainly is in, that, in the support of that principle of constitutionality. And just as there, of course, are centers of authority such as uh, governments and, and forms like that, there are also centers of authority such as businesses um, and other communities, community organizations, uh, churches, and so on. And so I think that our court case is, in principle, in support of uh, proper distribution of power in society and against the encroachment on um, the freedoms of people and organizations, including businesses, uh, to conduct uh, that, those affairs which should be uh, and properly seen within their discretion and not have anything to do with uh, the state. Um, Peter, just one quick last question from me. Um, what sort of feedback have you been getting from members regarding the cl- businesses needing to close and, and employees losing jobs? We've had terrible feedback in the sense that it, is, uh, it has been very bad news, um, as expected. Um, now, just uh, I think beginning of last week, we finalized the second poll, or a third poll already among our members. And uh, the results in that poll was that uh, 19% of them expected to go out of business within a month, so by early June. Um, and uh, that was uh, should level four regulations be held in place. Now regulations are going to be held in place until the end of June. So I mean, some of them are going to find a way to scrape through. But this has just been um, so damaging to businesses, um, and uh, even businesses who were supposed to be uh, who, were, who could operate as essential or who could operate as permitted services under Level 4 regulations and essential under Level 5, found it difficult and increasingly difficult to source the products and the services that they need to produce what they uh, was, was supposed to be permitted or essential. And I think that just points us to how integrated an economy is. It's not this thing that you can switch on or off. Uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural organism, not a biological organism, but it's a natural organism. Mm. And if you take one of the organs out, or you cut some of the limbs, you are this mm. system. Absolutely. Um, I, I think you're spot on. And Pete, I, I know you're going to have to dash into court just now, so I'm going to let you go. Before you do that, Pete, um, for, for those maybe uh, business people and entrepreneurs who've heard this are, are in love, if you will, with your messaging and the organization's stance on issues, how do they reach you and how do they join up? Oh, thank you, Sita. Well, uh, we, of course, always appreciate uh, when people join uh, or when they contribute. That's, of course, uh, what we are now we're able to do what we do. We're a not-for-profit organization, uh, but it's wonderful um, that people are willing to be part of this. And uh, I think there are, of course, some benefits uh, for yourself in being part of something like Sarkalika. 
But um, I think one of the reasons that um, I certainly uh, think many of our members are part is because they uh, do it for the general or the common good. And I think that's just excellent. Um, I think uh, just again proves this proves this whole notion of selfish capitalism. Mm. But if you'd like to join or support or just uh, subscribe uh, for free and gratis to our newsletters, go to sakaliga.co.za. That is sakaliga, sakaliga.co.za. The website there would be in English and Afrikaans. And if um, we also have a special uh, thing that available only in Afrikaans, but version 2 will be in English, that's called Saka Plain, or, or Market Square Saka Plain. Mm-hmm. That's where you can mm-hmm. work with other business people and uh, we, we, uh, we try and make business state-proof in a state-proof economic environment. Excellent, excellent. Um, that's Pete LaRue from the CEO, excuse me, of Sarkelecha. Um, thanks to you for your time and good luck today in court. I think, uh, the Big Daddy Liberty Show will be in that part of the world and we'll cover this because I think it's an important issue. Pete, good luck and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's always, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it works out. You know, it's an urgent case and so on. We certainly believe in our merits, and, uh, but there are other people doing great work as well. I think AfriForum's in court today about this quarantine business and uh, there are other com- and uh, we welcome all of these cases. Uh, if we don't lose, it's great to see them coming. Absolutely. Thanks, Pete Leroux uh, from Sarkelecha. We're going to take our last ad break, and when we return, we wrap up the show as we look at the Newsweek, what to expect in the Newsweek ahead. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Major thanks again to the CEO of Sarkelecha, Pete Leroux. I think that's a very fantastic organization. It's beginning um, to, you know, also assist in shaping the conversation in this country around what does a free society really look like and the importance of it. And that's a debate, I think, if I looked into, uh, to the news week ahead, excuse me, uh, that will define the week. Uh, Pete did mention it in the last sort of uh, bits of his um, of the interview that, you know, there's various organizations now taking to court, uh, taking government to court in order to fight for your freedoms. Um, Afriforum being one, I know uh, if you're listening to the BDL show two weeks ago, you would have remember perhaps uh, DSA, um, mm. a, another civil society organization that's doing exactly the same. Um, again, so many to mention. Um, there's currently action through the Western Cape High Court mm. of a group of concerned citizens, one of whom, again, listeners would know exactly, Biaki Kamini, who's been on, I think, our show, uh, Sarah, and the mm, BDL mm, show. Um, again, it's coming together, is it not? South Africans are beginning to push back. I, I think it, I, it's, it's wonderful in that sense. I mean, it's terrible that one hap- happens to be in these circumstances. But the the idea that two things, I think one is generally that they're pushing back. They're saying you may not act constitutionally. It doesn't matter how big you are or how big you think you are. And on the more narrow level, as, as Pitt so correctly said, it's about showing that business isn't some sort of large, horrible, evil monolith. That's, that's just a shibboleth. It's just a complete, uh, cliche, which the, which the far left really likes. And the far left, I'm afraid, is our government. Um, but, it, it, it's look from a point of view of what's going to happen in the next few um, in the next week. I think we're going to look at the the obviously level th- three will come into play, but we'll be looking back at the the damage 
both the last, this last week has wrought, will, will have wrought, and with the damage that has been done all in all, and the damage in the delay in getting to this point. I think that's going that's to be on with discussion. And at the rate we're going, um, cigarettes, I think cigarettes are, I think the feta, and the cigarette, the tobacco association, after having, with, uh, after um, the major players withdrew their action against uh, the government, are now feet is now taking the case up against government against the banning of of cigarettes. I think she, I think um, uh, Minister Mina Zuma has sort of justified it on the basis that there are there are there are studies that show that you know people who smoke are more prone, etc. But there are actually a large number of studies that say they're not particularly prone. In fact, they may even be protected, ironically, by all the tar in their lungs. Um, and in any event, the the Forcing people to go into withdrawal on something as addictive as cigarettes um, offers puts in place a different potential set of harms. Absolutely, I think and that, again, um, looking at Fita's case, and to be honest, there really should be more big businesses that mm. come to the fore, even those that are now. Um, quote-unquote allowed um, mm. to trade. I think a lot of them actually need to go to court to set a precedent. The idea that it shouldn't be the position uh, or the role of the state to tell, you know, grown adults, responsible adults, what they can and can't do. Um, especially when there is um, scant evidence or if there's contradicting evidence, uh, you know, suggesting that actually one position um, can't be justified over the other. I think that's, that's mm. really what I, I found interesting about this the cigarette ban, um, mm-hmm. it's on very flimsy grounds if you really, really think about it. And I think mm-hmm. um, when it's tested in court, the state might come up short on this one. Sorry, in the last two minutes, any other issues you want to raise before we wrap up? Um, not not offhand I can think of. I'm sure, I'm sure there are hundreds of, of, uh, <laughs> of issues. <laughs> but uh, but just, just, just a, a thought. Uh, I notice of the groups we mentioned who are going to court. They are, they are NPOs, they are civil society, um, they are the interest groups that act, that re- represent ordinary people. They are not big business, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And just to, just as testament to that and the last point, as I mentioned in my interview, I'm going to dash up now to Victoria to cover some of these um, court cases. But actually the more interesting thing I'll be covering later on at 12 today for the big Daddy Lip show is the protest. Yes, you heard me right, the protest. Ooh. Um, at the union buildings um, uh, by ordinary South Africans. Again, no big lobby groups, no big uh, business, uh, actual ordinary citizens. We'll see how that pans out, and I'll bring you some sound bites of that on my show this coming Friday. Remember, the Big Daddy Lift show on Fridays on High FM at 9 a.m. Sorry, as we wrap up... Um, um, uh, I hope you're, you're bundled up and you're warm, because it is getting yes, rather chilly. It's going um, to get cold. We are going to call it a show and we'll mm. see you or rather we'll talk to you guys next week Tuesday on the IRR show.